I've got a riddle for you here. Yeah, I know you're excited about that. The riddle is this. What lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches? Lies at the bottom of the ocean and twitches. Anyone? 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 It's a nervous wreck. Oh, it's not that funny, people. <laughs> it's a transition joke. <laughs> oh, the fact is that this morning, you might be a bit of a nervous wreck about something here today. What's going on in your life? What are you wrestling with? I have read recently that an average person's anxiety is focused on 40% of the things that will never happen. Consider that for a moment. Wasting energies and health, worrying about things that will never come to pass. Apparently, 30 things about the past that can't be changed. Yeah, I'm talking about you here. You know what I'm saying. There's things that when you're alone and relaxed and you start drifting back and how you should have said and I would have never and I'll tell you what I do this time and that anxiety within us like an acid just burning. 12% of the things are about criticism that others have said about you that mostly are just not true. You want to defend yourself and you want to tell them and you, you know what I'm saying here, friends? You're already starting to feel a little bit of anxiety just thinking about that. Apparently, 10% of the causes of anxiety in our life are the health that gets worse mostly by the anxiety that we allow into our lives, eating away at us. And the final eight present for those of you who are adding these up and I know you're out there, are about real problems that you'll face sometime today or this week. 8% of the anxiety in your life about actual things that matter. Consider that for a moment. Anxiety. Worried, bound up inside, tied up like a knot, like acid just dripping through you. That is anxiety. And I want to tell you this, friends. That's sin. <whistles> Whatever is not of faith is sin. If you are trusting in God and what he has said and what he has called you to do, worry is sin. Friends, this is a faith issue. Now, why do I bring this up? I want you to take a look at Daniel here today. For those of you that were here a few weeks ago when we went through Daniel chapter 9, we saw a pretty dark future for the nation of Israel. A whole lot of raising up kingdoms who take over this and another kingdom that God raises up to move in and take over that part of the world. And here comes another one. And it seems that no matter who gets raised up, Israel gets the short end of the stick. Well, things haven't changed much, have we? 
I, I read this week an article that was fascinating to me that apparently young evangelicals, those who believe the Bible is the word of God, who believe the gospel is the only way to be saved and find forgiveness in God, these people have a low opinion of Israel. They don't understand that God has a future for these people. His blessing resides on these people. They have a very, very important, important, essential future. And my friends, a lot of the, the good truths that we have and how we understand a, a God is by what he has done through them. While they've bumbled along, along the way, we've learned many things. Well, friends, they're, they're not perfect. We know that. But they're not in a perfect situation either. Anxiety. Well, Daniel saw all of all this, and that's exactly what he's got. Here in verses 1 to 3 in chapter 10, we see Daniel's vexation. I mean, he is vexed. If anyone is vexed, it's Daniel here today. It's an interesting word, isn't it? And look at the cause here. The cause is the context. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia. Now, as good Bible students, that ought to cause a bell to ring. Hey, wait a minute. Cyrus, wasn't he the one that made a proclamation that Israel should leave this, this captivity and go back into the land? And not only that, provide for them as they go back into the promised land and to go and rebuild the temple. I mean, for heaven's sakes, at this point, chapter 10, I mean, Nehemiah is already building on these walls, and yeah, they're facing all kinds of obstacles. Read the book. And as a matter of fact, they've even taken a bit of a hiatus because of the opposition. And here is Daniel, knowing not only their future, but their condition. The people of God are suffering. They are facing all kinds of obstacles. People all the way around them that want them dead. And here is Daniel. Why is Daniel not there? Perhaps because of his age. Daniel is now in his 80s. He came as a, a young man, but now he is in perhaps the final years of his life. And so this vexation is the cause, is, is this, this, this prophecy that he's just heard that just means that Israel is going to continue on this whole path of suffering I mean, these are his people. And we find in verse 1, in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel. And we just read about that in chapter 9. Who was named Belshazzar. And the word was true. And notice these words. And it was a great conflict. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision and his vexation, we know the cause. Now look at the symptoms. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning. Imagine this, mourning, considering the difficulty that this nation, his people would face. He was mourning for three weeks. Now you may recall in the last chapter, the word week means seven somethings. You know, and we understood in that prophecy, it was seven years, a week of sevens. And uh, seven years would be the weeks. But in this context here, the three weeks here, the Hebrew actually says a week of days. Just to make sure that we understand the change over here. 
And so 21 days, here is Daniel. He was mourning for three weeks. Verse 3, I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine even entered my mouth. And nor did I anoint myself at all. He's talking about oil. You know, and then he's living in this dry heat. And I mean, it must look like my hand, a little cracked skin. Without applying this stuff to his, his skin, he would have been suffering. Maybe he didn't have any sackcloth around, so he thought he'd turn his skin into it. And here is Daniel, and he's way down in the dumps, as we say. He's looking at this, and he's trying to figure out his God in this world. I mean, the, the, the nation of Israel is the people of God. God is, is the one that created this nation. Remember 75 people went down into Egypt, this family, Jacob and his kids, and out comes two and a half million of them. They're a nation after 400 years, and God has made this promise beforehand to Abraham that he was going to bless him and make a great nation out of him and bless that nation and bless anyone who blesses that nation and curse anyone that curses it. Well, 400 years or so later, after they're out of this, this Egypt, they're on their way to a promised land. God had already carved out a home for them, a place where they would be blessed, a place where the crops would grow. I mean, whatever they did, God would prosper their hand as long as they continued to honor him. And now this. I mean, does God not keep his promises? I mean, why are they going through such a difficult time? Now, you and I both know the reason that they were in that circumstance. It is because they precisely did not honor God. They created idols. They borrowed the worship of the people around them that had no God. They disobeyed his commandments. And God, in his loving discipline, took them out of that promised land for 70 years, discipline. And we've seen the cause and the symptoms. What is, 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 does God keep his promises, my friends? I mean, why is God doing this? I wonder if you've ever asked those questions. Why is God doing this? I remember <laughs> working with kids oh so many years ago. A little girl fell down and had her knee scraped and there was blood. And, and she was just kind of whimpering, sniveling. And, and I went over to comfort her and she looked at me and said, Why did this happen to me? Why couldn't it happen to someone else? And I thought for a moment and I said, Well, who would you want it to happen to <laughs> You know, this, we, we get all inside of ourselves and, and we lose our minds sometimes. And here is Daniel. And he says, I will cut off every goodness in my life if this is the way God is. And yet there is a God who is loving and kind. And suddenly we see in the midst of Daniel's vexation that Daniel has a visitor. Look at here in verse 4. In verses 4 to 6, we see this visitor's radiance. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris, of course, I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. 
and his body was like beryl, and his face like the appearance of lightning, and his eyes like flaming torches, and his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and the sounds of his words were like the sound of a multitude. Well, this wasn't the mailman, but I'll tell you what, friends, this guy came with a message. He came with a message. And look at Daniel's reaction here in verses 7 to 9. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see this vision. But a great trembling fell upon them. And they fled to hide themselves. Which is, of course, the normal response to when an angel of God is sent. Remember the word angel is, uh, it, it, uh, it is, is from the Greek word angelos or Malach in the Hebrew, and it means messenger. These are messengers of God, but they are not men. They are created spirits of God. And it's Hebrew chapter 1 and verse 14. I'll wait while you write that down. The writer of Hebrews reminds us they are ministering spirits. And who do they minister? They minister to the elect, the people of God. You know, by the way, the book of Hebrews, this, this is mentioned almost as a, a comparison because the book of Hebrews compares Jesus to all of the stuff that Israel had and, and the conclusion is Jesus is better. You know, what about all those angels? I mean, look at this a, a description of this guy. He must have been beautiful, powerful, amazing, incredible, but Jesus is better. You know, and after all, these guys are ministering spirits to us. We're going to learn a little bit more about the work of an angel in just a moment here. But let's keep reading through here. We see this response by the people who are with them. I mean, they're trembling, you know, just terrified. When was the last time you trembled? When was the last time you just found yourself shaking a little bit? You know, a lot of times for people who have to speak in front of a crowd, that can happen. And what is it that you're afraid of anyway? You know, if you bring fruit today, anything to throw up here in case you don't like anything, you know, generally speaking, people will just stop listening to you if they don't like you. <laughs> they're, they're not hostile, you know, not all of them anyway. I guess there could be a few. I've heard some unkind comments along the way. You know, haven't we all? What is it there to fear? You know, we, we just celebrated some graduates who went through perhaps, arguably, some of the most difficult years of life. You know, where, where everybody around you, you feel like has an opinion about you, and you're always trying to please people and fit in. And there's this whole weird, annoying, stressful time where your body is changing. And it's a difficult time to be alive. You know, we all know anxiety from those years. What do people, what about her? She's pretty, but would she like me? And then we think of the worst possible things we know about ourselves, and then we compare them to the best that we've seen in others, and we say, mm-mm, anxiety. Don't fall for it, friends. Don't fall for the lie. Don't fall for it. So here's this reaction, and here is Daniel. So I was left alone, and I saw this great vision, and no strength was left in me. 
and my radiant appearance was fearfully changed, and I retained no strength. Verse 9, then I heard the sound of his words. And as I heard the sound of his words, I, I just fell on my face in deep sleep with face to the ground. And he just collapses, which is pretty standard uh, what happens when people see an angel. Remember, you know, what are the first thing they do? They all fall down, you know. And what is the first word an angel says to be? Is do not fear, right? You know, it's the same thing because apparently seeing these amazing creations of God is an overwhelming experience. Great fear. And here is Daniel. I suppose he forgot about the oil he would put on his skin at this point. Terrified. But I want you to note these words. And behold. Let's just pause for a moment. Here is Daniel having fallen on his face. Literally. And verse 10 tells us. And behold. A hand touched me. And set me trembling on my hands and knees. And he said to me. Oh, Daniel, man, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling, loving, compassionate, kind. He was sent with a message for Daniel because Daniel was greatly loved by God. Hmm, okay, we'll stand over here and talk about this. Friends, there are books on the market. I went in, you know, I was at the Moody uh, uh, Pastors Conference, which, by the way, was really, really fantastic. There were so many great treasures that I took out of that experience. And uh, you know what? There were just books on the shelves that I was terrified to see. One of the most popular books out there, The Jesus Calling. I know that some of you got that at home, but I'll tell you, there's a real inherent problem with this, this seeking God to talk to me. Friends, God has already told you everything you need to know, and it's in the Bible. The Word of God has been spoken, recorded, and preserved for you and I to have here today. You don't need nothing else. You have the word of God. Do not seek these kinds of experiences. These are what open us up to deception. So, so be, be very, 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 very careful. What you hear and what you read. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Remember those days? A whole bunch of smiles all over here. I just took you back a few years, didn't I? Still reigns true today, my friends. Be careful. Be careful. And so here is this angel's reassurance. And he, and he gets Daniel back, back up on his feet, and he's still trembling. But now we come here to verse, verse 12, and we see this angel's revelation. And he tells us a couple of things here. First of all, why he came. And uh, we notice here in verse 12, he came as an answer to prayer. Then he said to me, fear not. There it is. You were wondering if those words are going to be there. But there it is. Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. Well, that's a good phrase to underline if you have that sort of Bible. Maybe you have the electronic version of highlighting. 
I want to read that again. It's so good. Fear not, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before God, your words have been heard. And I have come because your words. Well, friends, we notice that he not only came as an answer to prayer, he came against demonic opposition. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. You might say, well, why did he wait three weeks? You know, from the very moment that you humbled yourself and prayed, God heard and he sent me. Then where have you been? I've been battling demons is what he's saying here. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I was left there with the king of Persia. And notice here, he came against demonic opposition, but he came to give understanding, verse 14. And he came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. And we're going to see that in chapter 11, but not this morning. And notice here also in verse 15, he came to give courage. And when he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of children, a man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. And I said to him who stood before me, O my Lord, by reason of the vision, pains have come upon me and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is left in me. And again, again one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me and said, O man, greatly loved, fear not. Peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And the second thing that he came to say, and not only reveal this angel, not only why he came, but what they are to face. Then he said, do you know why I've come to you? But now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. There is none who contends by my side except these, except Michael, your prince. And perhaps the curtain is drawn back just a little bit that we might see that God has ordained angels to be watching over nations. And in the same way, friends, there are demons at work. Now, what is a demon? A demon is a fallen angel. These are people who have, when Satan was thrown out, a few others went with him. And these demons are at work, and they are opposing the work of God. But as you can see, they cannot defeat it. God will indeed have victory here, my friends. And so he came against demonic opposition. He came to give understanding, and one thing he certainly did is he came to give encouragement. And so what is it they're going to face? Opposition, my friends. One thing that you will face, like Daniel in this world, in the nation of Israel, is you will face 
opposition. There will be obstacles that will come into your life that you will find along the way, and sadly enough, some of them we will create ourselves. And the only question that matters, friends, is not what it is or what kind that comes into our life, but how will you respond to it? How will you respond when opposition comes? There are all sorts of questions that people ask. How would you respond if one day your daughter came home and she said she was pregnant? Some of these are not theories, just friends. Some of these are not just to be asked because things happen, my friends. People choose their own selfish desires. Sometimes you do, but how will you face it? My friends, if there is known sin in your life right here, right now, you know it. Nobody else needs to know it, but you know it. What is the proper way to respond? Right where you are, you ask God to forgive it. You name it, you don't excuse it. You plead his forgiveness, and he will give it. What if someone has said a harsh word about you, something that's not true? What do you do? Well, you go back to your house and you gather a group of people together and you scheme against them. That is the work of the devil, my friends. That is demonic influence in your life. When you gather the people of God together to oppose another child of God, friends, the response is to reconcile, to seek peace to pursue truth and don't dawdle about it. How you respond reveals who you are. Choose wisely. Those who choose to respond the way God has called us to respond have the power of the Spirit of God within us and all of the resources of heaven available to us. But to respond otherwise, my friend, is a dangerous place to be. And so here is Daniel learning yet once again that there will be great obstacles ahead, and none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And there it is. Chapter 11 will be more of the same. It will be a familiar chapter in which God is raising up nations. None of this is a surprise to God. All of these things will work out perfectly according to God's plan to accomplish precisely what it is that God would accomplish. But the question is this, how will you respond to it? I want you to know this, friends. Recognize your anxiety and your fear and understand exactly what is happening. You are seeing yourself against whatever you face all by yourself in your limited resources. You will tell yourself stories about how poor it will end and how it can't possibly end well. And maybe it's not even worth trying. But only because you forget that there is a God who loves, a God who will encourage a God who has created a whole order of angels to minister to us. They're there to serve us. 
to run to and fro. We do not pray to angels and we do not trust in angels. We trust in the God who commands them. So know this, my friends. There is a lesson here for us. God hears and answers prayer. God heard Daniel's prayer. He heard it. It was not lost in the busyness of heaven. And he answers. And know this. The faithful have nothing to fear about the future. For it is in our Father's hand. I'll say that again. It's not up here. The faithful have nothing to fear about the future. For it is in our Father's hand. We have nothing to fear, my friends. If you are committed to be where God would have you to be, in order to accomplish what he would have you to accomplish, you have nothing to fear. If you are in the center of God's will, it is the safest place around because you will accomplish exactly what God has called you to accomplish. One of the problems that we struggle with, and let's face it, is we think now is forever. Again, we travel back to high school. When you're young, it seems like everything is the end of the world. Everything is the most enormous, horrific thing you've ever faced, and it may very well be. And because you have not experienced anything different, you think it's the end of the world. But you are grown. You know that you can go to sleep that night, wake up, have a new outlook, and make new decisions. And you can choose to live well and choose to obey God and to honor him in your words and even in your silence. There's no need for anxiety when you can trust God who is faithful. There's no need to go into a rampage. No need to let out your fleshly desire and anger and hostility or, or doubt. Trust in the God who saved you. Trust in the God who, though he knows every vile thing in your heart, every evil thought and intent that has ever crossed between your ears, but he loves you. And he proved it without a shadow of a doubt by giving his very best. His son Jesus who died for you. My friends, he didn't take a bullet. It wasn't quick. It was the most painful possible thing that man could come up with. And Jesus endured that for you. If you can trust him to forgive your vile sin, you can trust him for what you face today. Whatever the circumstances, no matter how hopeless it may seem, when you trust in God, there is hope. But the question is this, will you? Will you trust him? Will you do what he has called you to do? To speak up or to close your mouth? To go and make it right even though all of the possible scenarios of how horrible this might end go through your head? 
Will you do the right thing? How about you make a decision right now to trust him? To trust the God who loves you, the God who is the definition of faithful. Trust him today.